Welcome to the Staffordshire Football Show. Dedicated to covering all aspects of football in Staffordshire. From local clubs to grassroots initiatives, the show delves into all corners of the sport. Providing comprehensive coverage across the county. This is your go-to source to stay connected with football in Staffordshire. Here's your host, Luke Powell. Welcome to the second episode of the Staffordshire Football Show with me, Luke Powell. Strap yourselves in for the next hour and a bit as we're in for a cracker with some unbelievable guests from professional clubs in Port Vale and Stoke City and we're also joined by a host of grassroots coaches and coach developers. In this episode, we'll hear from Port Vale Academy Director Will Ryder, Stoke City's Academy Director Gareth Owen, as well as interviews with Joe Waldron from Berkswich, Staffordshire FA coach developers David Eberson and Martin Irvine, AFC Fradley's Jenny Allen and FA Community Champion Bev Clark. First up is the current Staffordshire FA Female Pathway Coach of the Year and Coach of Berkswich Girls Joe Waldron. Jo is a vet by day, but on the weekend she coaches a number of teams and sessions at the grassroots club. I spoke to her about how she got into coaching, the rewards of the role, and the recently launched Lebanon School programme. Well, welcome to the Staffordshire FA Football Show, Joe. Great to be joined by our first guest today. Congratulations on your award, firstly, last year, being presented with the Grassroots Coach of the Year Award. How proud are you of that achievement? Oh. My goodness, it was it it was so unexpected. And, you know, since then, you know, you know, when you get those moments when you think, really, you know, there's so many, so many good people who do lots of lots of really good stuff, especially around sort of girls football, which is the pathway that I'm on. And so actually to be recognized was, yeah, it was sort of quite overwhelming, really. And yeah, I'm immensely proud. And I couldn't have done it without a lot of people again that helped me. And, you know, I have a, a wonderful group of under 12 year old girls that are very keen to play football so that always makes life a bit easier as well. Oh, that's fantastic I mean how much does your coaching mean to you and working with the girls? I think um, the, co- the coaching to me is something that you know I'm sort of older in terms of coming into football because you know when I was at school it wasn't really an option so the fact that you know we can give girls now a really good option and the fact that it's been seen now within the school programs and so on is it's just wonderful and it's it's really nice to almost be at the start of the beginning of this sort of explosion of women's football and girls football so the fact that I'm you know a small part of that is you know it, it it's a highlight of my week a lot of the time um you know friday nights i never thought you know 20 years ago my friday nights would be coaching football but it is now and actually i wouldn't change it for the world you know i, I really enjoy it and hopefully the people that you know are on that pitch with me get something out of it as well yeah how, how did you get into your coaching then <laughs> well now then that's a very good question so my previous football life was I was a referee and I still do referee and I still do enjoy that side of things and um, I met with um if I can name drop Keith Halliday from Barkswitch who originally I was going to help out there is a, a you know a another problem of a shortage of referees so I was going to really help out as being a, a referee not associated to that club but to help out when needed and you know it quickly came from oh you can be our referee to oh we've got these wildcats that we're setting up and we're we're getting going and there's lots of really keen then sort of seven and eight year olds um and the minute he asked me to sort of help out you know after the first couple of sessions I was just blown away with you know their enthusiasm and you know they look so cute coming in their little football kits and you know it was just it was just such a nice thing to be involved in and my team that are now at under 12s you know came out of that wildcats pathway when they were sort of seven and eight year olds so you know for although players have joined en route um, and you know we've lost a few as well that it perhaps wasn't really for them um, but you know the the core of my team have sort of come out of that Wildcats program, which again just highlights how important it is to have these sessions for you know sort of young children. Um, and I still help out with the Wildcats now. And again, you know it's it's just it's just such good fun. I think anybody perhaps who's listening who is maybe thinking of 
wanting to get into football, you know, pop along to a wildcat session, or I'm sure, you know, for, you know, the same for the boys pathway as well. But, you know, it, it just really is so rewarding. So, yeah, I didn't intentionally set out to be a coach to go back to the original question, but this is how I've ended up coaching. And actually, it was probably one of the best decisions I have made. And like I say, I still referee, but coaching is probably the thing that I enjoy the most. That's fantastic to hear. And that leads me really to my next question, like you just mentioned. How rewarding is it for you, for yourself, to play a part in oh. these girls' lives and at the start of their football journey? Um, I mean, it's just incredibly rewarding. You know, it's that whole thing of when you, when you, every, you know, weekend we go to a match or, or we put on a training session it's what do we want to get out of it and of course there's you know it's sport so there's definitely an, an element that we want to win and we want to achieve and you know we want to develop our skills but you know those are the life skills that come along with being part of a team being committed you know exercise new skills developing skills making friendship groups that aren't necessarily girls that go to the same school as you um, you know girls from different backgrounds so there's all those things that sort of roll into what you're achieving as well as the coaching side of things um so you know it's just rewarding in in so many ways and you're also a vet by day can you take some skills from that into your coaching obviously you're looking after animals and caring for them and then well, you're going on a friday night to the football <laughs> there's the whole thing of they say don't work with children and animals and yeah. i've kind of decided <laughs> to work with both so it's difficult there are certainly elements of of both I guess not unpredictable not really knowing what's going to happen um so there's there's definitely an element between that a child and a springer spaniel should we say <laughs> so yeah it's nice. it is nice and rewarding both both parts of my life are very rewarding and the Staffordshire FA have recently launched level in the score we're seeing the women's game yeah. take off and grow fantastically so how fantastic is it to be a part of this and see it grow even more just by the year Oh, it's incredible. And, you know, it's really nice that we are lucky enough to be in a county where the FA is really sort of getting behind this. And, um, you know, it's nice to think that we're one of the, you know, FAs, I guess, that are at the forefront of, of trying to um, develop women's football and actually make it accessible um, for lots of lots of girls to get involved in. You know, there's always issues around facilities and you know how can we put these sessions on and volunteers and you know volunteers really are the sort of core of it and I think leveling the score and those kind of events just again for people like me maybe you know if I wasn't refereeing and I hadn't had that sort of chance meeting with Keith would I be where I am now you know perhaps not I could have taken a different turn so I think the more that we can have events available for women um to get involved and younger girls you know if you can't play football can we referee you know how can we get girls into football as a sport because it's not always just about the players there's all the other roles that sort of go into it as well and um, so I think leveling the score is is an ideal sort of platform to work from yeah you mentioned the roles I suppose finally what advice would you give to anyone who's entering the game as a coach or as a volunteer in the game and how much would you urge people to really just get involved it doesn't matter what your footballing background is or even if you've got a footballing background I think if you have an interest in the sport there's always opportunities for volunteers and we want to have more girls stepping onto the grass we want more uh, options most areas now have a women's a club with a women's pathway um, or a girls pathway so find your local club you know ask if you can get involved don't be put off if you've had no experience everything else will fall into place and there's always people around you that can help support and um, there's lots of coaching courses available that can put you on the the right pathway you know so I would say don't hesitate if you want to have a go then have a go uh, you know and get involved because it really is great. That was the voice of Joe Waldron, Staffordshire FA's Female Pathway Coach of the Year and the coach of Berkswich Girls. Port Vale have recently appointed former West Bromwich Albion, Doncaster Rovers, Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield Town boss Darren Moore as their new manager following the departure of Andy Crosby in February. During Vale's search for a new manager, Academy Director Will Ryder took charge of the first team responsibilities for two games and here's what he had to say. Yeah, it's been a... A, a hectic few weeks, but that that's the uh, the life in football, I guess. And it's been a, a real enjoyable period uh, for myself being able to step up and 
support the club uh, where they they needed that uh, that help and that guidance from the, uh, the you know the the academy staff, and that's something which I, I spoke to the academy staff about yesterday as a whole. In that during uh, during our roles, you never know um, what may happen, and uh, it's about being ready to be able to to help out and do the best job that you can. Um, again, it was a, an interim role uh, in which uh, it was a real enjoy, enjoyable period of time for myself to be able to step up and work with the first team players, but also enjoy that experience with the existing first team staff and, and also with uh, Danny and Matt, you know, as academy coaches and being able to bring them in alongside myself to to work and uh, try and help the best that we could. And it was a, an experience which I, I really, really enjoyed and I'm really grateful for, for the, the club putting the, the trust in myself and the other staff and allowing us that opportunity to be able to, to step into the role and, and do the best job that we possibly could. Yeah, and I'm sure as a coach from that experience, you learn a lot uh, from stepping up to first team football as opposed to coaching youth teams. Yeah, and it, it's it's always, in my opinion, being able to connect with the players and you know we didn't have a long period of time um, to be able to do that so it's when you're going in it's connecting with the players the best way you possibly can um, drawing upon drawing upon uh, experiences of, of players that you might have worked with uh, you know previously so the, the likes of Jensen Weir um, and uh, and Tom Sang who, who I knew previously before Port Vale it's about then uh, being able to draw upon those previous experiences that you've got with with the players and and building on the the existing connections that you've got with the players in and around the you know the, the football club um being able to to draw upon those experiences but also being able to go in and 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 simplify messages and get make sure that players have got clarity on what it is that you're aiming to try and do get them on board with that always giving you know your reasons why um why we're impl- implementing certain uh, styles or certain, uh, you know, strategies around what we try to do. The the first game against Leighton Orient was was a, a it was a tough evening in that Leighton Orient were going really really well. I think they were up until Saturday the top of the form league since January, um, and they came and they you know they did dominate dominate possession and and they were better than us on the evening. But we we did only get the uh, the afternoon to try and. Um, gather our thoughts and trying to work with the players got moving into that game. It was the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, give us a, a real impetus to try and put a plan together to then put a performance in a, and, and trying to get some, uh, you know, some impetus going into that game against Stevenage. And I, and I do think we saw a, a real good turnaround during those few days and, and it, you know, the, the Stevenage game, being able to do what we did and put a performance in and get a point on the board uh, for the football club, that was a, a real rewarding feeling. Yeah, I'm sure. And from that experience then, for you personally, is it something that in the future you'll hope to do again or take charge of first team football? Or are you more focused on your coaching at academy level? I, I guess you, you never know in football, um, what opportunities may arise, and that's like I said to the, the you know I mentioned earlier, saying to the academy staff, you've you've got to be ready for opportunities when when they do present themselves. Um, never say never, um, and you know it is always something that I wanted to do when I was younger. Uh, but then I, I'd focus myself really on on academy football, which um, I'm really focusing on now. Um, but again, in in years to come, possibly um, it, it just depends on what opportunities present themselves uh, whether I'm coaching within the academy setup, whether it's a first team setup, it's always for me about enjoying what you're doing um, I really enjoy, I love my job now um, as academy director at, at Port Vale and it's something which is really suited to my skill set, I don't get out on the grass as often what as I would like to in all honesty uh, but that is the nature of, of the job role um, and you know I've been here now nearly two and a half years. We've got some real solid structures in place. I wanted to try and get on the grass more this season. I'm I'm looking to try and do that now before the end of the season and hopefully into pre-season. But I guess you know you, you never know, and uh, it, it, it's not something that I, I would rule out in years to come. But right here, right now, I absolutely love what I'm doing. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you love what you're doing and that you wanted to do it from when you were a younger lad. Uh, where did your love for coaching begin then? Was it something that you were always interested in doing? Yeah, if I, if I think way back to when I was 18, 19 and, 
uh, I guess up at university in in Leeds and and I worked on soccer camps and you know leading uh, primary school sessions and when I think back to those times and and I was actually speaking recently about it with a couple of our academy staff that that's where you find your your passion and your I guess resilience as well because you'd be working with a, a group of primary school children you've probably got three quarters of them that don't even want to be there. Um, you've got a quarter of them what absolutely love being outside and you're working in tight spaces. You've got to engage and connect with the, the children to try and make it as fun and interactive as you can. Well, you know, if you're on soccer camps, you're going to have players of different abilities. Um, and, and I think way back to, to those times, and I'm so glad that I did what I did um, because I think it gives you a real good grounding. And I think you can draw upon those experiences in, in years to come. And, you know, then when I think about the academy journey that I went on and working at Man City originally in the the um, the development centres that they had in Leeds um, and again, going across the Platte Lane when when they were based there and working with the foundation age groups, moving across the uh, Stoke City um, and, and working as a lead foundation coach there and in the YDP as well as assisting the, the 21s, I guess. When I think of those experiences early in my coaching development and coaching career, that set me up then for when I went across to Wigan Athletic, working with the the 16s and 18s, and the, you know the youth team manager, youth team coach roles, um, and and then going into coach education, working for the the FA um, in the the roles that I have done, the mentor program, connecting with and, and working with grassroots coaches in the mentor program. As well as the UEFA B coaching coach education roles that I've that are still currently, you know, help and support on the UEFA B courses. So again, it's it's drawing up on all those experiences and and then being able to relate to them when you need to, but never forgetting where it started and that passion and that that love for the game and love for helping people, helping young players uh, develop developing the, yes the player but also developing the person. That's what I'm really really big on and. That's what we're, I guess, built on at the football club is that not everybody's going to make it as a professional footballer. So you, coaching is is people development, in my opinion. Yes, you're coaching people to be better footballers, but you, you're trying to give them life skills. You're trying to make that, that, um, that I guess, connection with... When coaches or players still stay in touch with you um, in years to come, that's really rewarding because that's when you know you've done a good job. You know, we, we recently played Wigan Athletic um, here at Port Vale and, you know, I, I had some players that were in my youth team then and, and the youth development phase who, who played in that game and it was such a uh, a nice uh, nice moment for me. Um, the, the Wigan Athletic team ran off the pitch at the end of the warm-up and Callum Lang came running off the pitch with a beaming smile. He'd seen me pitch side and come and give me a massive hug and said, I'll, I'll see you after the game. And I, you know, I had a good 20 minutes, half an hour with him and Scott Smith after the game outside the changing room and talking about old times and, and how they enjoyed that. that. That's when you know you've done a good job when people want to stay in touch with you and you, 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 you carry on following the, the, their journey when they're long into their career. And, you know, Callum's just moved on to Portsmouth now. And, and that's just a, a real nice uh, moment for you to be able to capture. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of experience, like you mentioned. So how much do you love working at Port Vale? And like you said, how rewarding is it to see, like you've seen this season, plenty of youth team academy players progress up to making their first heat debuts and then further on making a career and a name for themselves? Yeah, I, I love it here at Vale. It's it, it's a great fit for me. Um, and, and I said recently... Um, I won't name drop, but a, a, a superstar that was here recently, uh, <laughs> who was is uh, is uh, had more of a, a singing career than than football. Yeah. He's uh, you know when 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 Rob was here and he said, "What is it that you love here about Port Vale?" And I said, "It's the fact that you can be yourself. You you you're being authentic in your role. You you you're actually bringing yourself to the role, and 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 it's that fit of personalities. And we've got a." a real vibrant energy around the, the football club. 
uh, within the academy, but also the, the the wider club as well, and the connection that we've we've built now from the academy staff being connected into the the football club, and it, it's just a, a real top place to work. We've got people striving to be better every day. Um, we've got people what want to help and support each other, and that gives you that sense of fulfilment that you come into work and you know that you can make improvements into what we're trying to achieve to do as a football club, and and that's not just academy, that's the football club as a whole. So, yeah, it's it's a it, it's a place that um, is really really close to to my values, and uh, and and we've got a real good match, I would say. Yeah, so are you hoping to see as the future progresses, more and more players uh, progress to first team football from uh, the as a, an academy director from youth football at Port Vale? Yeah, you know, over the, the the two and a bit years that I've been here, we've had some huge success with with players that have have gone on to Category One clubs. Um, you know, Michael Mills moving on to to Newcastle United, uh, Freddie Laurie moving on to Aston Villa. We've we have a, a big scout coverage at the 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 games. The, our academy games are covered by a, a wide range now of Category One scouts that are there on a regular basis, which shows that we've got good players within our academy structure and our our system. So we, we you know, I'm on the phone to um, some some of the FA staff, and we're you know we're talking about potential call-ups to, to national teams and it's that that's what drives me on you know the, the fact that we've now we're now recognized as a as a, a producer of talent um you know I, that's what i want us to be um renowned for we, we we produce and give people opportunity to develop as i said not everybody's going to make it to the first team but we have had some real good success with players that have made debuts and and we we've got to make sure that we we constantly want more and i spoke with uh, the new manager Darren Moore yesterday and he was saying about how well the young players have done so far this week um and the back end of of last week and he's been really impressed with that so it's it's about building that trust and and Darren and his staff team understanding that when we put players forwards and recommend that they can trust our judgment and that's something which we spoke about um you know like i say when i had a catch up with him yesterday afternoon and and long may the the success continue for the uh, for the academy and the football club and we've got to carry on wanting more players to be in the first team more scouts to be at our games more interest in our players and let's hope that we can get some more international recognition like Wesley Jonathan had recently in the under-15s England camp where he went to St George's Park for four days. And, and you know, that's our, our, I guess, motivation in that we want to try and do the best for every single player within our academy programme, whether that's reaching our first team, whether that's moving on to other football clubs or whether that's going all the way through our system, uh, you know, into the youth team and and uh, and or, or players that don't quite make it up to that level. They leave our academy and football club absolutely loving football and still wanting to be involved in it. That's that's something that we really, really strive towards. That's brilliant. And I suppose, finally, um, you've mentioned that you've been working with FAs around uh, the United Kingdom there. Um, you work with Staffordshire FA as well a lot, the Coach Development Network. So how good has it been to work with them and what have you been doing? Yeah, I work for uh, for Staffordshire Football uh, County, uh, the Football Association, over a number of years. Like I say, when I go right the way back to... Um, oh, it might, might be seven, eight years ago now since I, I worked on the mentor programme, worked on that programme for uh, five or six years, working with grassroots coaches throughout the region, helping to support them on their coaching journey. Trying to, again, like I said earlier on, coaching is about people development. It's about trying to help people um, have a greater understanding of what they do really, really well, some areas of development, and then being really authentic with your th- feedback and, and giving them the opportunity then to grow and develop and and try and reach their potential in, in whatever that may be, whether that's uh, you know co- coaches which are, are helping out the the son or daughter's team, whether that's someone that's got aspirations to go into academy football, whether that's someone that you know has got aspirations to be a first team manager or first team coach. So you know my experiences with working with the county FA have been really really top. I've loved every moment that I've been out there, um, and again I still continue to work now. Uh, with the FA on the UA for B courses, still get coaches reaching out and and staying in touch and still wanting guidance and support. Um, and again, that's you know I guess testimony of the the work that goes on within within the football association within the county and and you know like we are doing on this call now, trying to reach out and and help and support people.
Yeah, well, I wish we had uh, longer on this call today, but unfortunately we don't. Uh, thanks for all your time. We'll really appreciate that. You've been brilliant. That was my interview with Port Vale Academy Director Will Ryder. Now, the Staffordshire FA has recently launched a brand new coach development network, which will serve as the epicentre for all things related to Staffordshire football coach development. The primary goal of the network is to provide elite level coach development experiences accompanied by unparalleled support, mentoring and networking opportunities. Martin Irvine and David Eberson are coach developers for the programme and I spoke to them about the development network and their own personal coaching journeys. Yeah, really, really excited to be a be, be a part of it. I mean, I think I can speak for Martin as well as myself that it's it's an honour to be you know to be to be chosen as one of the leads for the for the county. Um, obviously, Martin with a with a huge um, kind of understanding and network of the north of of the county and, and myself within the south. So, yeah, um, so far really really loved uh, being part of the events and having the coaches coming in, and um, really excited to see where it goes with all the upcoming planned uh, CPD events and, and things like that. Yeah, what sort of things have you been doing, Martin? Well, I'm saying just to echo sort of what David's saying, it's been very exciting time for for coaches across Staffordshire because you know over the last few years and everything that's been going on, we've we've left sort of that networking ability. Um, because with the FA Licence Coaches Club then um, stopped operating, so this is a wonderful opportunity for for coaches to now go and seek that learning. Um, go and listen and watch some fantastic coach developers and footballing experts in their field and, and, and just basically develop their own game. Um, I couldn't be more excited um, working with, with people like David and um, across all the FA and, and the clubs that are on board. Yeah, it seems like you've got a good relationship between yourselves. What impact are you hoping this can have then? And what are the goals that you're hoping to achieve with this programme? I think in terms of goals, it's it's sustainability and ensuring that coaches get um, the sort of the information that they they seek. Now, you know, it's okay to go onto your you know your introduction to coach football and your C license and the B license, but I think the real learning comes from getting on the grass and seeing people deliver and picking up bits that maybe you like and don't like. But there's there's so much variety out there and now. It's about how people go and put it into their context with their learners, with their people. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree, and I mean, I think, you know, it, it's all about personalities and and wanting to to take people's the best parts of their personalities and put that into their coaching. Um, and I think you'll you will you'll pick up ideas naturally by being around other coaches, hearing their stories, you know, seeing their sessions, understanding their ideas, and you know, taking what's relevant, tweaking it for yourself, and and moving forward with it. Yeah. How rewarding is it to be a part of these people's coaching journeys? And do you hope to see these people flourish and go on to become excellent coaches and for the staff's FA really to become a, you could mm. say, centre of excellence for coaching? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I think it it, it definitely um, helps us that we've got St George's Park, you know, in our, in our postcode, as it were. Um, I think that's a massive positive. But... Um, you know, our, our job uh, as coaches is to provide a platform for players. Our job as coach educators is now to help provide that same platform for coaches. Um, and if coaches and or players are moving beyond us, um, you know, we've done our job and we're, you know, we're, we're a big part of that system. Coaching can be a bit of a lonely place. And, you know, I think me and David can speak from experience here, but, you know, in the past when we probably wanted that, that bit of expert knowledge or that bit of... Um, pat on the back as to what we're doing is, is okay we, we haven't had it in the past this is a great opportunity now for, for coaches not just across as I say the south and north but the whole of Staffordshire and further afield to, to tie into and, and be better from each other as David alludes to if we can get coaches to be in positions similar to ourselves then you know, that we've done our job in, in developing the next uh, generation of coaches yeah, you, you mentioned your early years there as a coach. I'm interested to know both of your journeys uh, to where you are today in football coaching. <laughs> Go on, Martin, you can start out. Uh, yeah, so similarly, my my coaching journey began um, sort of in, in the early years whilst I was serving in the British Army. Um, I was tasked with taking on like, sort of the regimental team at, at 18, 19 years old and coaching men who, who got you know a lot of experience not just in football, but in life, having gone on to active tours of duty and 
I got a little bit of a thirst for it from there and I was still playing at a, a very, very average standard. Um, and I just didn't like the way that the team were playing. Um, and I questioned the manager at the time who said, if you want an input on to how we play, go and be a coach. So, you know, sort of 15 years later, here I am still trying to, trying to do the best to be a coach. And, you know, I think in the early years, and I'm not sure, you know, if David's had the same experiences, when, when you approach people in positions that, you know, you wanted to aspire to be, and it was a case of, um, no, 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 we, we can't have you in and you can't see what we're doing. And, and I think there's no secret to football. How you do things is, is completely down to the individual. Um, it's certainly become a lot more open and people are now more willing to share. And, and I think going back to the coach development network, it's exciting that, and you know, it, even though we're in a, a wonderful position as, as coach development leads, there's so much experience and knowledge looking back at us that, you know, we, we can learn from that and, and, you know, bounce back off these learners to are better than the coaches across Staffordshire. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so again, for me, um, started out probably 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, on um, like sort of school holiday camps, just helping out, picking up cones, putting down cones, um, you know, and, and built from there, really. Um, and I'd still say the, the best experiences I had was starting at that very base level, you know pretending to be a train and chasing these kids around, you know, <laughs> who had foxtails in or whatever it might be. Because I think, you know, over time you learn to deal with those, deal with, you know, problem solve, um, come up with solutions, be creative, think on your feet. Um, because, you know, until you've had a kid have a tantrum in the middle of your session or, uh, you know, or run off, <laughs> try and leave the hall or something. Um, those are the things that help to mould and, and, you know, develop you as a coach. So, yeah, started out there, kind of worked my way up. Um, a lot of stuff around the kind of school systems. Uh, uh, lucky enough to work for a few national governing bodies and things within sport. Um, and, and yeah, always kind of kept my, my, my hat in the ring, as it were, coaching various teams at different age groups. Brilliant. Uh, we just spoke to actually Will Ryder at um, Port Vale. Now, I'm not sure if he chases any of the players around pretending to be a train. <laughs> um, but um, just want to focus on what you said, Martin, at the start, speaking about your time in the army. Are there lots of things from life that you can take from that forward into coaching? Because Will spoke about how coaching really is coaching about life and not just all about football. Uh, so would you agree with that? 100%. You know, you you spend coaching as in our aspect is that we're coaching footballers. Um, something that I truly believe in is that we're not actually coaching footballers; we're coaching people and young children to to play football. So, you know, you have to look much deeper and and past the player. You've got to look at the person. So, uh, all right, like you say, Will might not be chasing kids around uh, with foxtails, but he might have a, a kid who's just in his first year of high school and is in a subject that he doesn't really like and he's coming to training and not performing, um, you know, with the stresses of academy football as well. But not just that, within graphics football, you know, there's an expectation for players or, or probably children to perform. And, and we don't know what goes on. We only see a small snippet of that window. So teaching them good life skills, punctuality, discipline, respect, you know, being on time, right place, right time, with the right equipment, they're all life skills that, you know, when you go into, I'm not going to say real life, but when you go into the big bad world of adulthood, <clears throat> there's nobody to drop you off and take you where you need to go. So if you're not on time, then you're not wearing the right kit, then you're, you're in trouble. Yeah, and focusing on the uh, coaching development network, then how much would you encourage people to get involved in this? And what would you say the benefits are of getting involved with this are? I mean, yeah, I think... You know, already from from um, luckily enough to be be involved with 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 Alex sort of from the outset from the launch and um, when when he sent through the dates in terms of actually what's coming up over just just the rest of the season you know not even the next twelve months but just till the end of the season um, you know it, it's a, such a wide range of things there's uh, you know events <clears throat> directly from the FA there's online things there's CPD at certain clubs uh, opportunities to get together discussions. Um, you know, the, the Staffordshire Coaches Conference. So all of these opportunities to go and meet with other coaches, understand things from them. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd have had something similar when I was uh, when I was starting out coaching. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the amount of detail and knowledge that, that is out there now. It's about trying to take it and put it into your 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 fields, the, the way that you're, you know, the teams that you're coaching and playing with. 
I just wish, uh, and I echo David again, I just wish I had something that was so accessible and, uh, and, and incredible. Um, the amount of knowledge, talent, detail, and events that are going on, it's, it's busy, but you know, what we're hoping for is in, in five years' time, this is still running, and you know, we've got a legacy of coaches that have that thirst and desire to, to be better and, and help others get better. Yeah, I suppose finally, uh, very appreciative of all your time. You mentioned about the future and the near future. What can we expect to happen then in the next 12 months uh, with coaching and educating in the Staffordshire FA? Um, lots of events, lots of um, stressed coach developers and um, coaches that are probably going to feel a little bit uh, out of place and a bit daunted by everything that's been thrown at them. Um, it's obviously then up to the coaches to, to take from that what they want and be part of those events. But you know, for part of the coach development network, you're looking at, um, I believe it's £25 a year with a mentor. So you're getting for less than £2 a month, you're getting all this, all these experts and all this coaching knowledge with a mentor who's going to be pretty much like a driving instructor. They'll be on the journey with you, but can't actually you know, put the Put, the, put you through your test, that, that's up to you to go and put that knowledge into your own, own um, sort of setting. So, yeah, it's an incredible initiative from Staffordshire FA and something that very blessed and honoured to be a part of. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, you know, it, a lot of the time we, we look at ways we can get better and things and actually the first part is investing in yourself, you know, investing that time in your, your craft, you know, coaching is a craft, it's a skill, it's something you need to... Uh, spend that little bit of time on so you can continue to grow and get better. And what better way to do that than around uh, other other like-minded coaches, uh, learning from different experiences and, and you know, picking up from different topics uh, at some of the, the best uh, venues around Staffordshire. Thanks to Martin and David, coach developers for the new Staffordshire FA Coach Development Network. AFC Fradley are one of the fastest growing grassroots clubs in Staffordshire. Having only set up as a club back in 2022, they now have 19 teams and a huge number of casual football sessions taking place, offering opportunities for all. Jenny Allen, who is AFC Fradley's women's coaching and pathway champion, told me about the rapid rise of the club, the work they do in the community and the hours they're putting in to grow the female game. Um, it's been a bit overwhelming, to be honest, because we set the club in spring 2022 uh, with an initial soccer camp session on a, on a Saturday, open to kind of primary school age kids. Uh, and it really took off and we quickly added more sessions. So girls wildcat sessions, girls age five to 11. Um, we set up age group teams. Uh, we have now got 20, tw at least 20 teams, plus some targeted sessions like Wildcats and soccer camps and skills camps. We've got a disability team. We've now got a men's and women's team. And we've got about 300 footballers involved so far within two seasons and a two-star accreditation as well. So it's just exceeded all my expectations. And that's been down to the hard work of... Um, our chairman, Darren Peck, who's just driven everything and been so ambitious, and Katie Wilkinson, our director of football, who's kind of set the standard on hard work and been yeah. that head for the club. Yes, an immense amount of people you've got involved in now playing football. So you're growing immensely fast. How exciting and proud are you to be a part of that? Massively, and as well, not just on the football side, it's just made a big difference to the, the community. Um, so all the teams have like a really big kind of social side as well, uh, lots of trips out to uh, football matches and other things, community events running, and we're looking to get a lot more involved in working in the community as well for the benefit of the community beyond just, just football. So, yeah, there are no limits with this club. That's brilliant to hear. And you've reeled off some names of people that have been involved in this so far behind the scenes. How much has it become a part of your life, though, personally? Um, it's literally taking it over. <laughs> I do have to work, <laughs> and I know it, fortunately, but I'm sure if I didn't, it would uh, it would fill every spare moment of my time. It is it is pretty full on, and um, but but luckily, I love it. I love the people involved. I love you know seeing the difference that it's making to the kids and the adults and in the community. Um, 
So it's it's no problem at all. Love every minute of it, really. That's brilliant to hear. I suppose we'll get to coaching in a second. But what's the hope for you guys then at Fradley? How big do you want to become and do you want to keep growing? Um, definitely. Um, so the chairman has just shared his five-year plan with us today and uh, oh. it's very ambitious and it is at least yeah. doubling everything, <laughs> every measure, every metric, at least doubling it in the next five years. But it's not it's not just about the numbers to us. It is about the quality as well. We want to have a slightly different take on, on what we do and make sure it's the quality that's the heart of it, not just the, the numbers. Yeah. And so I'm interested to know, like I said, what's your background with coaching then to where it is today? So I don't have much of a background in in coaching. I've I've played football most of my life, um, yeah. recreational football um, in different areas and different levels. Um, but I only started coaching with AFC Fradley um, two years ago, and we were quite lucky that um, there were a lot of um, well experienced and qualified coaches who helped us at the beginning and and trained us all up and shared their their learning and their their experience and you know it was a, it was a challenge it was taking me like two hours to plan an hour session to begin with because it was quite nerve-wracking to kind of put yourself out there but just with experience and, and with all the um learning opportunities that's that staff safe have supported us with as well just you know i haven't got enough hours in the day to watch all the videos and attend all the sessions that that are available it's it's massive and it is a massive um support network as well out there um getting to know other other coaches and learning from their their approaches too yeah what was it that made you get involved with uh, AFC Fradley then initially I think that the thing that stood out for me initially was um having a female director of football um it, it felt like this club were going to do things a little bit differently because of that and that was quite exciting and um, also the community that we live in Fradley it does have some you know it already had some good um community organizations but not that many and not ones that everybody uh, wants to be part of so it's really given the village a community feel now you know you wander around you see footballers they give you a wave you see other coaches you see parents um and it feels like well literally there are hundreds of people now in our community involved in the club in all different aspects of it so i think to be part of that community feel as well has been been massive that's fantastic to hear. and also focusing on the uh, female and women's side of the game how great is it to see that further grow of course with the staff chef we've got um uh, leveling the score and things like that coming into play as well yeah, um, so myself and our chairman, Darren, we were at the launch of, of Leveling the Score. And it was just um, really exciting to be part of that and to listen to those stories um, that people shared upon stage. You know, just some of the the things about, you know, there were have been Lionesses teams, you know, for, for a long time. But, you know, a lot of those records haven't been kept um, and it they, it wasn't very visible. Um, I mean, luckily, women's football is a lot more visible now than it than it was, and it got obviously a big boost from the Euros. But I think there's we really need to keep that momentum going now. Um, and the women's team was a bit bit of a shock as well. So we turned up in a field with a few footballs and wondered if anybody else would turn up. And uh, it's just taken off. We've got 20 registered female players now. And we're looking to move to, to two teams uh, of seven aside and uh, looking to try some 11 aside football this year as well. That's fantastic. So phenomenal. That's great to hear. Uh, really pleased with your journey and great to see that. And thanks for coming on the, the football show. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks. That was AFC Fradley's women's coaching and pathway champion, Jenny Allen. Our penultimate guest is one of the most well-known female grassroots coaches in Staffordshire. I spoke to Bev Clark, who told me about her role as an FA community champion, upskilling fellow coaches and her passion for the game. Within Staffordshire FA, well, I'm an FA community champion, um, which is a role I was so proud to uh, to be offered. And that, that job is probably into about eight months in. 
and it is first and foremost about identifying uh, new female coaches who want to get involved in football coaching and then it's to recruit them and find clubs that are happy to have them and then the last part of that puzzle is to support them in their journey by support on the pitch support off the pitch and any other support that um that, that i can give them yeah i'm interested to know then what's your background that led you up to this uh, role uh, with the staffshire fa i started off as a football coach in primary school where i was um, a ta and a, a hlta and the pe leads whilst being very good at a job wasn't really Football wasn't her bag. That became evident. So I offered myself forward. <laughs> um, and she was so relieved. And so I, I did that very quickly in Stoke-on-Trent, which is a city made up of um, six towns. Um, the school was in Hanley Town. Within that school, um, there was a cluster of 15 primary schools we started off with three primary schools where I started up a football league mixed and ended up with 15 so on, on a on a on a Friday evening I managed to eventually it was a long journey uh, managed to secure a, a central venue for everybody to, to to play at the same time and um, spent over three hours so on a Friday night there was 150 boys and girls playing school football and I am extremely proud of 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 that achievement yeah Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic and i suppose uh, working as a within your role in the fa uh, staffshire fa you work of helping coaches and to upskill them so how much pride do you take in this oh i take a great deal of pride i mean i'm constantly up up upskilling myself too we we all learn from each other but you know i've I've always enjoyed coaching i'm very passionate in particular about the, the the continued growth and development of, of, of the, the girls and the women's game and we've still got a long way to go and one of those ways is we have to we have to um, get more female coaches because if the young girls and boys can see it the young girls know they can be it and and so it, it's massive it's massive that job and it, it, the, the, I'm a community champion it's kind of a, an FA little little baby you know it's, it's, it's in its infancy and I just hope that it takes off and clubs become accepting isn't the right word but perhaps more willing to take on board females and mentor them as well quite quite often it can be that everybody wants a coach in there straight away that's already all singing already all dancing and sometimes I feel it's it's perhaps a little bit harsh on on females. I think some, sometimes it can be assumed, rightly or wrongly, because that perhaps just because men perhaps watch football and they know more about coaching, and coaching is far more than the the the, the, the tactical side side of things. So yeah. you know, open, you know. Yeah, embrace any female who wants to get involved in your club as a volunteer and, and nurture them and, and, yeah, help them on the journey. Yeah, you, you mentioned the women's game and it's clearly you're very passionate about it, which is fantastic. Now, how proud are you of the journey so far and is it great to see the game continues to develop and grow uh, for the women's side? Yes, definitely. Um, it, it is good to see. Like I say, there's still such, such, such a long way, way to go. But we are getting there with all the new doing uh, new initiatives where people are actively and proactively getting the message out there that football is for everyone. And I can't reiterate, you know, if the young girls see it, they can be it. If young boys see that there's a female coach, there's also a massive step forward. Perhaps an unconscious bias, I don't know. But, you know, there has to be more female coaches in both the women's and the youth and foundation, all, all across football, right up to a level, dare I say it, even even the elite level. Who knows? Maybe maybe one day soon, we might have um, a, a women first team head coach in the Premier League men's. It's going to happen, but when? 
And finally, last week, I had the pleasure of visiting Clayton Wood, Stoke City's training ground, to sit down with our academy director, Gareth Owen. Gareth has been with the Potters in a coaching capacity for over 10 years now, having begun his work as an under-12 coach at the Stoke City Academy in 2013. The interview is a really fascinating listen as he talks about things such as his rise through the ranks, his coaching philosophy and what it takes to become an academy director. First of all, where did your love for coaching begin then? Where did it all begin? Was it something that you always wanted to do after your playing career? Yeah, it was. I mean, even when I was um, a young pro, I was taking grassroots teams at Cheadle. Um, just got one night and tell you into the local pub and person you were there was saying, oh, his kids, his, his son plays in the team, would you come and help us out, put some coaching on on a Friday night, which, yeah, of course I did, which that's how it started. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, working with an under 12 team at the time um, and seeing their development and basically did I really know what I was doing? No, but I was just putting on sessions that I thought I'd enjoy as a player, um, but then some of the stuff that was linked to um, what we were doing as a professional. Then that escalated, obviously going as went down your career and have tried to carry that on and work for the School of Excellence and the academy teams where I've been playing. Um, and then obviously when I finished playing, it was a logical step to go into coaching here. But my first foray into coaching was at grassroots level on a park pitch at school that you're waiting for your caretaker to come and open up for you. Questionable whether we could play or not. Um, but that's where my love of coaching started. So was it always an ambition of you then to coach after you were playing? Yeah, it was. Um, I was quite bright at school. I nearly went, if I didn't get a scholarship, I was going to be a teacher. Um, so I've always had a sort of, not really a passion or a love, just wanting to help others. Um, and that's and seeing other, I get much in pleasure from seeing other people develop as myself, even when you were a young player, to see if your mate got into the first team or trained with the first team, oh yeah, we're really pleased for him and obviously carried that into coaching. So when I finished, it was a natural step, really. I tried to keep all avenues open and obviously got a university degree, so I could have gone to the media, could have gone back into teaching um, and also worked for the PFA with the union. But when I had the opportunity to come back here, it was a no-brainer, really. And like I say, and obviously it's been proved the right decision and I've worked my way up through the ranks to be uh, the academy director. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the teaching and the degree that you've got. You've got quite a nice Wikipedia page as well, haven't you? I haven't uh, it. That's not <laughs> me, that one. Yeah. But I noticed that it said that you uh, graduated from Staffs Uni with a uh, sports writing and broadcasting degree, a bit like me, uh, this year. So was this the other avenue that you may have wanted to go down uh, after your playing career? Yeah, I was always fascinated by the media and the media's involvement in everyday life and sport and what an influence it can have like also what an impact it can have um, so I've always sort of studied and how people talk how they communicate how one little bit of information can escalate into something that it doesn't need to be or does need to be um, and I've had an interest in that so again I've, I was always drilled into me to keep options open as a player you never know when your playing career is going to finish so with the help of the PFA went off to staff's union to, to do that course and like I say it was really enjoyable made some contacts in the game that I still speak to now give me an insight into how Sky work and how the Sentinel works how Radio Stoke work um, and like I said I could have gone off into that and explored that a little bit full time but coaching was my real passion and, and then it was a decision was an easy one. Brilliant and what does a typical day look like for you then as a academy director? Yeah so obviously a typical day is very difficult to sort of describe. Um, the one consistent probably starts about half past seven and then can run on depending on night games till about half six seven o'clock at night and what fills the day could be all manner of things from a senior board meeting to watching the 21s play to watching the nines train to delivering a coach education session to doing a staff cpd session to parents workshops and everything else in between um it's the randomness and variety of why i enjoy it so much because it's not nine to five. You don't know what's happening from one day to the next. Generally, generally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, apart from certain things that are going to fill your day. Um, but all in all, it's something I thoroughly enjoy and then likewise taking great pleasure from seeing, A, people have an opportunity, the staff and the players that come and play and work for us, and then after that, seeing them develop. And you've got such fantastic facilities here at Clayton Wood, a lovely big office as well. Um, how excited are you for these to get even better? And what's it like working with them? Um, yeah, you need 
you need a certain level of facility to sort of so to put a program in place. I, you, there is a fine line between being too big, if I'm being honest, and almost giving players and staff a false perception of what football is because we're fortunate to work in the position that we do with a facility as, as, as good as this. But likewise, if it becomes too big, it becomes a little bit soulless with no integration with the first team and things like that. And likewise for players that, yes, if they come through here, they'll experience a certain level of facility. But if that's not always the case at League One, League Two, the National League, grassroots football and, and below and down the football pyramid. So our job is to make educate players of tomorrow and staff of tomorrow what the professional game's about. Yes, we're having one eye on that, um, and then put the stepping stones in place that, for whatever eventuality, they've been exposed to. Them. And that's where I think variety comes into the program, um, and that's why we like to play in certain competitions. That's why we work with grassroots clubs and things like that, um, because it's all about trying to develop the players of tomorrow and giving them an understanding of what the, what professional football is, and likewise what amateur football is. Yeah, what's your coaching style like? Then we're interested to know. Are you an armor? around the shoulder guy or given the nature of your job who you're working with the players like that um the best coaches can go all manner of different styles i was always told that if you can motivate a, and control a group of under eights you can deal with the first team and i still believe that's true and that's it comes down to having a relationship with them communicating with them on their level and getting them enjoying it I think those three things are trying to get in all sessions and whether that's an under eights, an under nines, under 21s have done this season to fill in. Um, it's exactly the same thing. It's the same at first team level. You have to have a relationship with them. You have to give somebody um, an environment where he's going to enjoy it and he's going to get developed. And I think if you get that, you can then work on the team ethic, the tactics and everything else. But if you can't get that individual relationship with the players at your disposal, you're not really going to improve them. And like I say, and that's the same under eights level as it is at under 21s. Yeah, I noticed coming into your office, you got that piece of paper up there that speaks about integrity. So you're quite a driven individual, and is that something that you have in your work ethic? Uh, it is, and I fully believe that players um, are a sort of say a figment of, of what you're about as a member of staff and they should almost demonstrate the characteristics that you look for as a member of staff and if I'm setting the example to our players if I'm setting the example to the rest of the staff I have to demonstrate the characteristics that I would like to see and whether that's in, in uh, sorry, integrity whether that's problem solving whether that's desire um, whether that's empathy I have to demonstrate them on a daily basis and then likewise hopefully the staff then demonstrate those characteristics and then that goes through into the players. But ultimately I fully believe that you're a product of the environment and if we go out on every team that's wearing the red and white can demonstrate those things then I don't think we're going far wrong. Yeah, being a former player yourself, uh, talking about being an example to the players, do you hope that that sort of earns more respect from them and it gives you greater knowledge going into the job of an academy director? Um, I think you have to have an awareness of what professional football is. I don't necessarily think that just because you play professional football you can succeed in this role. I think there's a, there's a fine line from that, but ultimately you have to start with what are we trying to achieve and that is professional football, let's be honest. That's what we're trying to do and trying to develop players to come into. So you have to start with the end in mind. And like I said, put the stepping stones in place for the players to get there. Now that's hurdles sometimes. That's not just a little step, that's massive step and you might fail. And that's where you need that experience of child development, youth development, professional development um, for, to, to get there. Now that's not to say all professional footballers have that. That comes, like I say, we are, I think the, the strength of our staff is from the varied backgrounds that we've got working for us. Yes, we've got former players, but we've also got former scholars. So two guys who committed, who came through the scholar system, got released at 18, went off to the non-league and have come back to us as, as, as coaches. So, and then likewise, and someone in between who've worked in the community and then got in. And then you've got people from outside with their expertise and whatever else. So I don't think necessarily just because you've been a footballer that you'll be successful. What you do need to know is a fuller spectrum of, in our job, of child development as well as professional development and then the best ones then get the right balance at the right time. Yeah, what's it like working with these future stars of the game and playing a part in their journey? Oh, it's the most rewarding job ever um, because, like I say, Nathan Lowe, working with him as an under-10, 
when he first signed for us and then seeing his development at 18, making his debut for the first team and just signing a new contract um, to be a fully-fledged first-team player, that's what we do. That's why you get out of bed in the morning, let's be honest. But then likewise, seeing lads who've come into the programme have now gone off to America on a scholarship. Unfortunately, haven't been good enough for us and then gone on. Someone like Connor Taylor, who came in as a release player, you work with him, put a programme in place for him, spent a lot of time with him, not just me, but with all our staff. Um, and now he's playing league football and then, as I say, four years before that, he was a release player looking for another club. To give someone an opportunity to develop themselves and to make themselves better and to achieve their goals, to play a part in that, I think that's an ultimate reward, an ultimate testament to, to the, what the work that goes on here, um, by, by all, not just me, but by all the staff. Yeah, now, you previously chosen to leave Stoke City, but then stayed. So what was it that made you remain in your current position? The quality of players here, to be honest with you. And like I said, the relationships that have been formed with the players and the staff that still remain um, were ultimately why I sort of made the decision to sort of go in conjunction with the club that thought, yeah, do, would you want to really go elsewhere? Um, and I fully believe in the programme, fully believe in the players. And like I say, the relationships that they built and the outpouring that I had from the players and the staff um, ultimately led to the decision that to, to remain. If I didn't believe in that, I probably wouldn't, still wouldn't be here, speaking frankly. Um, if I didn't believe we had good players, um, and if I didn't believe that you could see progression in them, then yeah, that decision might have been a different one. Yeah, well, you took over academy director from Gareth Jennings, who moved on to FIFA. So do you have similar aspirations to him to work for such organisations or do you see a long-term future here at Stoke City? Um, definitely a long-term future because the academy system has to be with one eye on the future. You, you can't make snap decisions on an under-12 player because you're not going to know whether that decision is correct for another seven, eight years. Um, so you always have to make decisions with with one eye on the long term, whether that's for the nines, the tens, all the way through to the twenty ones, that's the that's the academy system. You can't speed up time. You can't all of a sudden speed up time for that fifteen year old who's a high flyer to be eighteen, nineteen, twenty ready for the first team. You've got to wait and you've got to put the stepping stones in place and you can't skip levels because you've got to wait for your body to grow, your brain to develop and all those things that goes with it. We'd love to give here's another load of money, here's the magic pill and we can make that player better. It doesn't work like that because you're dealing with children at the end of the day. So you have to be patient in this game and I know patience in and human nature is not an easy thing to sort of have, so we have to sort of work that way. Um, but like I say, do I want to go elsewhere? No, because I still I believe in our programme and our players that what they do, and I can't wait to see Salsadibu be a mainstay in the first team. I can't wait to see some of our under-14s join in to become older to be in our under-18s and those relationships and, and how you've seen the kids develop and things like that. So as long as that, I still see that, I would, I would want to stay here. Yeah, you're, you're Stoke City through and through. You we're here at the youth level yourself as a player. So it's clear to see for us already, but describe your love for the club that you have. Um, phew, that's a difficult question, to be honest. Ultimately, this club has given me my life. And like I say, best part of sort of 20 years, 25 years of my life, I'm no... I'm younger than I look, that's what people have said, but um, 25 years of my life I've been associated with this club. And when you give so much to them, but likewise what they've given me back, whether that's achieved my dream of playing professional football, whether that's to give me a, a job after finishing with playing football, um, I would, don't want to go anywhere else. And I say, I wouldn't have a life without Stoke City. And I think that's a powerful message to say, but the things that the club has given me, it's only right that I give everything that I can back to them. Now, this Staffordshire FA football show is focused all around coaching and Stoke City yourselves are working quite closely with the Staffordshire FA. How good has it been working with them and having their coaches in to develop them? Um, it's been brilliant, to be honest with you, because I fully believe that without grassroots football, there is no professional football. Because as players, you all start playing grassroots level. And as coaches, I haven't met a coach yet that really hasn't dipped their toe into sort of grassroots football and amateur football as well. So without that, we can't do what we, what, what we try and do. So it's only right, as I said, for what we as a professional football club give something back to the staff's FA and the grassroots clubs and coaches who are out there, rain, moon and shine, who don't always have the facilities that we do, that what can we do and what can we share with them? And that for me has been a knowledge 
um, a knowledge base around, like I say, child development, around coaching, around sports science, around nutrition, around psychology support, um, and opening our doors to give something back. Uh, and to be fair, with all the numbers that we've had here, there's still some more event and another event to come. But like I say, hopefully it's been beneficial because ultimately I just like seeing children develop being honest and like say if they come in with us how can we develop them but then likewise when you go out on Sunday mornings and things like that what bit of knowledge can we do as a football club to help to help staffs FA and help the grassroots coaches and I'd like to think it's been beneficial and hopefully we can do this for a few more years moving forward. Fantastic to hear and I suppose we spoke about your day earlier and what it looks like but is it one of those jobs really that never ends and it's seven days a week all day continuing into the evenings? Yeah it is and like I said you I had no doubts going into this job, that's what it was going to be, um, to be honest, because to do it properly, you need to know what's happening with the under nines, under eights, the pre-academy programme, what's going on with all the disciplines, what's going on with the 21s, what does the first team manager, how is he, how's the technical director, how's the chairman? And to do that, that lead, lends itself to be a seven-day-a-week job, 12 hours a day. Um, and I love it and um, energised to do that and you, you get your energy and you get your, your, your energy boost when you see Nathan Lowe go and play and you see Sol go and play and that's why that makes that Monday morning meeting that you might have to sort of deal with, with certain certain departments worthwhile and like I say if you're not going to do that if you're not going to have a range of sort of experiences not have a, a range of lenses to look at different things if you're not going to give back to the community if you're not going to work with the community departments here or the, the commercial departments and helping them with the certain things then for me you're not doing the job properly and ultimately that's why I sign up to do to give everything I've got but ultimately give something back A to the football club but then try and work on the professional footballers of tomorrow as well. You've made it right to the top you're an academy director what advice would you give to a coach whatever age they are wanting to make it to your position um two things really um first of all is get your badges get your qualifications and you learn so much not just in a formal environment um through the fa and the coaching courses and, and things like that but the people that are in your situation in the bar afterwards or pre-session or picking the brains and certain things um, it's almost like a fraternity that you can learn and bounce off so first and foremost you have to, and with at academy level there are certain rules that we have to have the minimum level of qualification and things like that so if your aspirations get into the academy system it would be that um, both like say from a formal perspective but also from an informal one but then even if it is just to go into coaching it is creating an environment that people enjoy themselves and that isn't in my in my opinion having a line of people one ball between 15 to 20 kids who are all desperate to have some release from school just want to run around and just want to play and things like that um, and would you enjoy that if it was a team of adults doing that so there's two things really, like I say, get an environment or create an environment that kids enjoy themselves because then you'll get the best version of them back. And then likewise, if you want to go into the academy system, is to get your qualifications because it can bring you loads of different expertise that maybe you just haven't thought of. You've been a fantastic guest. Thanks for joining us, Gareth. Anytime. Much appreciated. Thank Thanks. you. That was the voice of Stoke City Academy Director Gareth Owen. And that's all we've got time for on the second episode of the Staffordshire Football Show. Once again, thanks for joining. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to welcoming you back for April's episode. Welcome to the Staffordshire Football Show. Dedicated to covering all aspects of football in Staffordshire. From local clubs to grassroots initiatives, the show delves into all corners of the sport. Providing comprehensive coverage across the county. This is your go-to source to stay connected with football in Staffordshire.